I'm Taryn Ward. And I'm Stephen Jones. And this is Breaking the Feed, social media beyond the headlines. We're taking a closer look at the core issues around social media, including the existing social media landscape, to better understand the role social media plays in our everyday lives and society. Last episode, we started our exploration of some of the newer so-called copycat socials, specifically the new and newer alternatives offered in place of X, formerly known as Twitter. This episode will continue to investigate those options, beginning with Mastodon and ending with Truth Social. We'll also keep our core question from last time in mind. Does the world need or want a new Twitter? And if so, why? Mastodon is a great place to start because in many ways, it's been the most successful alternative offered to date. Mastodon was first launched in 2016, but only really gained popularity in late 2022 when people on Twitter really started to announce that they were leaving Twitter for Mastodon. It's right now probably the most well-known and well-used Twitter alternative. Why? This is a great place to think about what it was or is about Twitter that people want to hold on to, even as Twitter continues to become something different and think about which features Mastodon sort of carries over. So what is Mastodon? Mastodon is a decentralized social network made up of independent servers organized around specific themes, topics, and interests. How does it work? Individual users join servers, follow other people, and then share and engage with content. You can also scroll through a feed and explore new topics. The decentralization element is worth talking about. Mastodon is actually made up of thousands of independent servers or mini social media networks or forums. So when you join, you can join any server and engage with others on different servers within the Mastodon universe, but you still need to choose a host server to start. Another key difference from Twitter, you can't start a thread in the same way, but you can reply to yourself and create a thread of sorts. So it's sort of similar and different. Finally, Mastodon is a nonprofit and it has committed publicly to never selling ads or pushing some profiles above others. That all sounds pretty good. A few concerns that we would flag up for you. The first is content moderation is already really challenging on centralized platforms, and regulators have had a really difficult time with this. The decentralization element adds a layer of complexity and therefore risk. So things like abuse and harassment, mis- and disinformation, all of those things remain real concerns and in some ways might even be bigger concerns on, on something like Mastodon. One example to think about is even though Mastodon itself is a nonprofit and has committed to not pushing ads, that doesn't necessarily mean that individual servers can't easily work around this. Thanks for that description, Taryn. It's really helpful. It sets the scene for, for, for everyone. I played with it a little bit and I must admit I I would share all of your concerns. I think the the moderation piece, you know, that's something which has concerned us deeply as we think about how we build Bright out to, to provide that venue for discussion, which is, I think, what Twitter was good at. So you want you want people to be able to exchange views, but obviously you do want to be able to control egregious mis- and disinformation, lies, propaganda, abuse, and... We know what happens on the internet if you let people become people, right? I mean, there is an appetite for that. Otherwise, 4chan and 8chan would never have existed. People wouldn't have trained AI to say racist and, you know, misogynistic things very, very quickly. I remember that experiment. It wasn't that long ago before ChatTP, GTP, obviously. So that that is a bit of a problem, isn't it? I mean, 
moderating the experience appropriately, carefully, thoughtfully is is key to creating that space where people can chat. Absolutely. And and they are going to have to grapple with this. And so are regulators because they're not the only decentralized network out there. Although this seems to have sort of been a really popular thing when everybody was talking about Web3 and NFTs, you know, a year ago. And since then, I think a lot of people have backed off a little bit and there have been more conversations, thankfully, around some of the, the real challenges around running a, a social network or any other kind of network that way. So our conclusions on Mastodon are, you know, importantly for this episode, it just doesn't feel like Twitter. So from onboarding to engaging, although it's understandable why people would be willing to try something new and something that's pretty different, um, even where it's a substantial change given what's happened at Twitter, it's it's just not quite the same. There's a potential here to fill some of the gaps that Twitter could leave or, or has left so far. But it's not a smooth transition or a complete replacement, especially for average or casual Twitter users. Yeah, and one of the things you said earlier on sort of flagged for me the problem that any of these um, networks have, but particularly Mastodon, which is genuinely trying to to replace or be a replacement for Twitter, is people announced that they were leaving Twitter on Twitter because everybody that they wanted to talk to was on Twitter. So, you know, and God knows I... You know, I, I am constantly looking at X, formerly known as Twitter, but I don't enjoy any of that experience for all sorts of reasons. Um, and I think it's deteriorated significantly. So I would love to find a different platform. This one maybe just doesn't have the critical mass yet. And I think this is a problem that everyone will have. I and mean, if, you're, if you're branding yourself as the new Twitter, then how are you going to get the people who are on, the rest of the people who are on Twitter to, to get to, to Mastodon or whatever platform you're launching? And and do you have to rely on um, the man himself, Mr. Elon, I want to live on Mars, Musk, to just drive people off Twitter? If that's your marketing strategy, then I think you've got a bit of a problem. So you know, getting those users is surely going to be a bit of a problem, even if people and advertisers have left. Right. So speaking of big names, you know, we've said that right now Mastodon is probably the most successful new Twitter but it is worth noting that Jack Dorsey's new network, Blue Sky Social, hasn't launched to the public yet. So, you know, it may not take Elon Musk, but maybe somebody like Jack Dorsey will be a big enough draw. Um, and we will mm-hmm. we will follow that closely and report back. So one other social network that I think fewer people are familiar with, but but worth just having a quick look at is something called Co-Host. So one thing that we've done with some of the others is to really take a look at how these platforms or social networks describe themselves. So I'll pull a couple of quotes from their website. The first is, a new social media platform built from the ground up by a small team of developers and designers who like sharing things on the internet. Sounds pretty good. I think that's a pretty good start. Then they say, no ads, no tracking forever. And then algorithm, what algorithm? And finally, give us a few bucks a month. Soon we'll let you take tips and sell subscriptions. So, you know, at this point, I, it's it's interesting, right? It's a different approach. It's something that, you know, maybe it'll feel like Twitter, but not. Unfortunately, the sign up was a little bit clumsy. It was one of those things where you get the error message on your email address and your password before you've even finished typing it, which can be a little bit annoying. But I think more than that, yeah. It's it's still pretty limited with a lot of niche content. And this goes to your sort of cold start problem. 
that happens on a lot of networks, but there has to be something that keeps people coming back during those early days. And right now, each post takes up a lot of real estate, so it requires a lot of scrolling effort. And I don't think my thumbs are particularly lazy, but it requires a lot of scrolling effort to get from one post to the next. And I would say that right now, at least for me, the quality of the content doesn't justify the effort. And that's that's going to be a big problem that I think they have. Other concerns worth mentioning, right now there's no clear or obvious way to access the terms of use, privacy policy, or community guidelines without scrolling all the way to the bottom through all of the posts. And I, that's typically not a good sign. So if those policies aren't really easy to find and access and to, to sort of process, often there's a reason. You know, in this case, I, you know, it's also unclear if there is any identity verification or if people are just being added in batches. And it's also unclear whether and how community guidelines are enforced. So, you know, some good ideas here, but I think also some, some real concerns about how it's going to actually work. Yeah, this, this one is sort of interesting because we would agree on many of those points. Um, we also think that subscription is a good way to run a social media business if you want to keep it ad-free, tracking-free, digital surveillance economy-free. Someone has to pay and, and um, subscription is a, you know, you get what you pay for always, right? I'm a little bit concerned about the algorithm. I mean, for sure... Algorithms can be badly written to prioritize increasingly extreme content. We see that on on um, Meta and uh, and Twitter X. But no algorithm at all makes it difficult to compete with these highly curated, algorithmically driven um, social medias that that people often really like, despite complaining that they don't they don't see their friends' content anymore. I do like the idea that you know you will you'll be able to reward good content creators directly. I think that's that's thinking about, you know, where your content's going to come from and supporting people. The question would be, you know, is this Uber? Because technically Uber drivers are paid, but, you know, I think there's a lot of concern, particularly in this country, about the paying conditions that they work under. Um, and if you're going to try and capture a younger demographic um, who are perhaps a little bit more conscious of those issues, that might be a bit problematic for you. I agree with the the comment on the the terms and conditions and community standards. If you if you're pleased with them, if you're proud of them, if you think they benefit the content producers and the users, then you should make it extremely easy to read them and find them. And if you're not, it's a bit of a red flag, right? Um, and maybe it's just thoughtless website design. Maybe it's not, but I, that would be a bit of a red flag for me. Um, and as you said content early stage is always uh, a problem and, and one that pretty much everybody has to deal with. People were very happy, you know, not having much content on Twitter when it came out because there was nothing to compare it with. And this is the advantage that Facebook and Twitter had. They were the first to the market. And so it didn't matter. Now it does. Yeah. I, I think all of that is right. And your point about the policies and um, community guidelines is obviously I agree with. And I think you know, as as you said, some of it is maybe poor website design, but I think even if you're not hiding those things, it tells you where priorities are and where they aren't. And this yeah. may be the lawyer in me, but I think that is that should be something that any social network um, really prioritizes. So for all of those reasons, our conclusion on this one is that it's still really early days. 
But at the moment, it's really too niche and clumsy and engagement is too limited to be a serious contender as an alternative or replacement for Twitter. Moving on now, we're, we're going to talk about two social networks that are sort of similar and different. So both of these networks are designed and in, in fairly honest about who they're meant to appeal to. I say fairly honest because there are sort of subtle hints about who they're really made for, but both platforms claim to be for everyone and welcoming to all. So the first one is called Tribal. So sometimes Tribal has been described as a left-leaning Twitter-like app. And at one point, Elon Musk was rumored to want to acquire this platform. Obviously, that didn't happen or hasn't happened to date. But Tribal is also sometimes described as the left's answer to Truth Social, which will be the next platform we look at. So it's always worth looking at how these networks describe themselves. So in this case, the headline for Tribal is social media done right. Now, it's difficult to know exactly what this means because it's difficult to find any information about who they are, what they are, why they're doing what they do. You have to sort of jump around to various different places and sources to figure out what this is all about, which again, is never a good sign. So their Instagram account bio says, we're a new bigotry-free social network where kindness and intelligence flourish. Um, flourish caught my eye because that was one of the words we used early on in some of our marketing, so it just kind of made me smile. Twitter says, their Twitter bio says, we're an innovative, pro-democracy Twitter alternative that's free of hatred and fake news. So again, at this point, anybody who's reading this, it, it sort of sounds like it's meant to appeal to everyone, but there are some buzzwords in here that indicate to me there is a certain part of the political spectrum that this is designed to appeal to. And the more you dig, the more it becomes apparent that this is true. So I'm not, I'm not just taking shots in the dark here. Um, now, one of, one of our concerns here is that it's unclear really how Tribal intends to accomplish any of these things. So particularly because it's currently free. <laughs> so this means we're probably looking at an advertising revenue model sooner or later. There's no identity verification. So even if there are rules, not that I could find them, and even if these rules are somehow enforced, there's nothing that stops people from creating new accounts over and over and over and over and over again. Not that anyone on the internet would ever do anything like that, but it opens up the possibility. I mean, like no one on the internet behaves badly ever, right? It is a paragon of human excellence. I... It, this is an interesting one, right? Because they, they, in addition to everything, all the little um, progressive dog whistles which are hidden. Can we say progressive dog whistles? I mean, they, they are sort of like little hints that attract um, people on the on the on the left of the, the political spectrum. I guess they have used um, the Twitter account Occupy Democrats to advertise quite extensively in the past um, and get people to sign up. Um, so that's a pretty clear sign that they are indeed um, trying to hit that that wing. You know, if you want to keep something nice, if you want to keep the bigotry out, you should probably tell people what is considered hate and bigotry. If you want intelligence and conversation to flourish, it can't be something I don't like. It's got to be something which is actually really bigoted and hate-filled, you know, because I think freedom of expression or freedom of speech, if you're North American, 
is is extremely important on the internet. We do want that. What we don't want is what we'll make be talk about in a bit, um, where freedom of expression is an excuse to say absolutely hateful and awful things which are not true um, and denigrate people based on certain characteristics they can't control. So yeah, the, the absence of rules on the platform which is marketing itself in this way seems to me to be a real huge problem because how do we know and how do we know they're going to moderate this stuff? It like this is really important and we've spent because this is actually important to us we've spent a lot of time thinking about this for bright and we try and make it as clear as possible to people right and without id verification as you say how do you deal with it mm. importantly you mentioned occupy democrats in in what you just said and actually the same people who own that website rafael rivero and omar rivero own tribal so as I said, we weren't, I, you know, wasn't a stab in the dark about about who this is meant to appeal to. Um, it's pretty clear even before you get into the app um, who who this is made for. So speaking of getting into the app, let's talk about how this actually works. To view content, yeah. you have to click accept on a window informing you that there's an updated terms of service and privacy policy. So this is very annoying and and problematic, but. More than that, it doesn't even look like you can click through on the terms of service or privacy policy because they're not underlined or bolded. You can actually if you hover over it, but that's not really how it's supposed to work. So again, a very, very fast red flag. Um, so after you click through, which you again, you don't have any choice over, you can view content without creating an account or signing in. There's a bar at the top, both on the website and, and in the app, inviting you to grow together through an opportunity to invest as little as $250 in Tribal. There's little other information about what Tribal is or how it works, but if you click through, you can see that they've raised just over $2.7 million out of their nearly $5 million goal, and you can watch a video, which you should see for yourself, but which I can only describe as anxiety-inducing. And, you know, let's say after all of this, you do create an account and as we did, um, actually some months ago now, you have to create an account to engage with content, as far as I can tell. And then you'll be invited to choose a username. So, you know, fairly standard things. You then have to choose notification settings. So note that the default here is to receive a whole lot of annoying interruptions to your day. So take a look at these closely, unless you want to start getting noisy pings and emails every time there's a new post. So then after you get through, after you get through that stage, it will ask for you to invite contacts. So it asks pretty quickly to access your contacts, to invite or to discover your friends. Just for clarity, I declined all of that. So I wanted to have a fresh experience and not to have, you know, not to be dragged down any specific lane. Uh, you can also choose dark mode or not. In, in this instance, I wasn't invited to follow any accounts, so I didn't. Again, I didn't want to skew what, what that experience would look like for, for anyone else. There are four types of feeds offered at the top. Friends, this was empty for me because I didn't have any. Very sad. Following, again, empty because I didn't follow anyone. And then breaking and trending. So it's worth thinking about this trending feed. So I'll go through what mine looked like. So my trending feed started with an elephant crossing the road at the top. Then a post about Donald Trump throwing, and this is a quote, 
a humiliating courtroom hissy fit in his New York fraud trial. Another post about Donald Trump, quote, launching his most deranged attack yet. And this was actually a repost of the post below that from Occupy Democrats. Then there was a kitten having its belly rubbed or tickled with the caption, more tickles, please. Um, a post that says Giuliani to lose second attorney in Georgia, leaving him without local legal representation. And then, oh, sorry, this was from account Ride In with Biden, um, a clever play on words, um, if a bit, well, a clever play on words. Let's leave it at that. Um, a post advising me not to buy certain plants from Home Depot because they were treated with a chemical I can't pronounce. Um, but that is apparently approved by the EPA. A video post of snow falling in Kyoto, a video post of water on Lake Como, another riding with Biden post, a video of a boxer, the dog, not the profession, dancing in the rain with the caption, boxers are such goofy dogs, a shared article with the caption, exclusive US will transfer weapons seized from Iran to Ukraine from CNN politics with a photo of rows and rows of large guns lined up, and so on. So I think that gives you a pretty good idea of what, what is happening in, in this feed. Um, and our concerns reflect that. So we have all the concerns from the existing major platforms, including privacy, abuse and harassment, mis and disinformation with a layer of echo chambers. And this is, you know, for for tribal and for truth, this is a real and genuine concern because it means people don't really have an opportunity to hear or consider the other side. As a consequence, our conclusion on this one is that it just doesn't feel like Twitter. It doesn't it doesn't seem like a place to actually discuss anything, much like Truth Social, but for the left, it's more echo chamber than arena. And in speaking to people whom we would actually expect this network to really appeal to, you know, they described becoming bored quite quickly and feeling like it was the same takes over and over again without any real discussion. Yeah, I absolutely agree with everything that you've said. In fact, my feed is almost exactly the same, except the video of the snow uh, in Kyoto and the video of Lake Como didn't load. They were just spinning. I think this goes to this, these key key points with what made Twitter Twitter, and we you know we've talked about the problems late latterly with Twitter for sure in previous episodes. But snappy, short, both sides having a discussion. And what one of the things which went wrong was that that deteriorated into an an argument rather than the discussion. Um, it's very difficult to find reasoned conversation, you know, on Twitter. And we should be interested in both sides. And normally, people spend quite a lot of money developing an algorithm that will create an echo chamber for you so that you will spend more and more time on the platform looking at the ads they put out, right? I mean, that that's what this is about. They deliberately create those echo chambers so you'll see things which you will agree with and then occasionally something which will enrage you just to keep you on the platform looking at the ads they're putting out problem with tribal is it's done that just by existing it doesn't want to have a conversation how can i mean actually you know if you think about the democratic party in the united states it is quite capable of arguing with itself you're whether you're a pure enough believer in all of the things that the one end stands for or not but but it's not an engaging argument it's going to be really annoying 
and we do need to have that discussion. I think that's why one of the reasons we're on social media, right? If if all you can do is say, yes, I vehemently agree with what you said. Well done, old chap. That's it. The comment section dies. So purely like structurally and for society, echo chambers are bad, but purely from enjoying the platform, that's not going to be fun, is it? No. And that's that's really what we've heard. That's the feedback we've had. And, and I think it was our experience really on both platforms that by the end, we were more disgusted with both political parties than when we had started. And not that there was far to fall, but but yet somehow in the end, we were still still more more fed up. Um, so let's turn to the opposite side of the same coin and think about Truth Social. Truth Social was founded in October of 2021 by former U.S. President Donald Trump. Truth Social has faced a number of regulatory issues and financial hurdles. You know, just for context, Trump first raised the potential of building Truth Social after he was banned from Facebook and Twitter after the U.S. Capitol attack. Thinking about how Truth Social sees itself and describes itself, America's big tent social media platform that encourages an open, free, and honest global conversation without discriminating on the basis of political ideology. That is a mouthful. There's a lot there and also a lot of nothing there. But what's really concerning, there's little other information about what truth is about on the website but loads of other sources have plenty to say, so don't worry. There is one interesting bit about content moderation from their website FAQs that, that I think is worth sharing. So the question is, could you please suspend a user I dislike? And the answer is, generally not, provided the user's posts comply with our terms of service. This is interesting because although this sounds like lawyer speak for it depends, it's really unnecessary, or it should be unnecessary, because there are plenty of other places in the FAQs that have a simple no, or some other very straightforward answer. You know, here they could have just said, no, we don't ban other people from the network because you don't like them without cause. Of course we don't, but you can mute or block accounts as, as you see fit. But they're careful here to say generally not. So I think it's worth thinking about what what they're really saying here. What that sounds like to me is we might, if we don't like what they're saying, if it offends our sensibilities, despite what our advertising says about being a big tent that won't discriminate on the basis of political ideology, one suspects there's an element of as long as it's our political ideology, it won't matter how extreme you take it, but if it's a different political ideology, then mm, maybe if someone complains, we will kick you off. It, that that seems to be the general shape and feel of that piece of um, advertising, right? That's that's really troubling. And given everybody involved in this, it shouldn't surprise anyone that that's the case. I think that's right. When I when we were initially talking about doing this episode, I was thinking about this as a differentiator from Twitter. But actually, there have been some allegations recently that similar things are happening on Twitter. So I think for now, unfortunately, we have to put this in the unclear category as to whether this makes True Social more or less like Twitter. 
um, without commenting on, you know, which we think is probably right based on the evidence. It is worrying that those are conversations that people are having more broadly about a lot of social media networks. But what is Truth Social? So we're talking about it sort of theoretically and, and, and how they see themselves, but how does it function? Very briefly, exactly how you would expect any standard social media app to operate. It has the same features, the same functions as we've been talking about. Um, it's often described as a Twitter clone. And, you know, like we did with Tribal, it's worth just describing what my feed looked like. So again, they recommended different accounts for me to follow. I clicked yes for the first 10, um, but haven't connected with anyone else, haven't followed any other accounts and haven't engaged. So this should be sort of the standard or as close to a standard feed as, as what you would get on Truth Social. So I opened the app this morning and this is what my feed looked like in order. We're not playing any games. Um, first up, a post from Donald Trump that was a video encouraging people to separate what they've heard from his results. So in other words, you know, I know you've probably heard these terrible things about me, um, but let's look at what I've actually done, sort of a, a video post. A post from an account called Cat Turd that says, good morning to everyone, especially last night's winner of the Republican debate, Donald J. Trump. Uh, side note, if you didn't know, he chose not to participate in that debate as well as the first one. And then an advert for a limited edition Viper Titanium money clip. I have no idea what that is or why Truth Social thinks I would want one. But again, I think that makes it pretty clear that they haven't quite been able to profile me yet. A post from Charlie Kirk with a link to his podcast discussing whether RFK Jr. is hurting Biden or Trump more. Another post from Trump reposting a support post from Scott Walker. Another post from Trump with a video promoting himself. Then another post from Trump with a video promoting himself. Another ad for a Titanium Viper money clip. They really want me to buy this thing. I did not click through it at any point. Another Trump post with a video of him with Ron DeSantis with the caption, Ron DeSanctimonious. Three more Trump posts and so on. That's what Truth Social looks like. That is too much Trump in the morning, even for Melania. Seriously, if this is a social network, where are the people posting? I mean, with the exception of Mr. Cat Turd, and, you know, maybe I'm being unfair, it could be Marjorie Taylor Greene, but I mean, it feels like that would be a, the sort of name that some dysfunctional man would pick, don't you think? Where's the so? Where's the social? Where are the people? Where's the network? Where's the conversation? Um, and, and the value of titanium aside, a Viper money clip that tells me they they don't have anybody else advertising on this network, because why? Who uses money? Like money is going out of style, right? Um, has done since the pandemic. So, yeah, that's a bit odd, really. This goes to one of the problems with a, a politician of any stripe forming a social network. And let's be honest, calling it truth was a little bit on the nose because those of us who were old enough to remember the Cold War would remember that the Soviet newspaper was called Pravda, which was also the Russian for truth, and was entirely a propaganda arm of the Communist Party of the former Soviet Union. 
you know, I mean, you're not supposed to make it obvious for people what you're doing. That's like a rookie mistake, surely. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, that is a huge problem for me. I mean, I, I and I, and, I, and to, to be clear, I would not care if it was a democratic, labor, conservative, Republican politician. You shouldn't have a major social network which operates effectively as your mouthpiece, because that's the only thing this can mean. If your feed is full of that, it either means nobody else is talking or the algorithm is pushing everything that Mr. Trump is putting out. And that, that's, a, I mean, that's bad for the network regardless and bad, bad for society, you know, and, and has a lot in common with the previous one, you know, this, this super toxic echo chamber. Social media has the problem that people spend an awful lot of time scrolling it, right? That's, it, it's exceptionally problematic. So I don't know, Taryn, what did you think of that feed when you look at it? Uh, I thought it was interesting. And I think that's a good opportunity to talk about some of our concerns, because I think you you did a good job of outlining quite a few of them there as the content of my newsfeed or, or whatever they call the feed sort of did too. So, you know, in addition to all of the standard concerns that come along with the social media platform that depends on ad revenue, that doesn't verify the identity of users, and, and in this case, some unique censorship allegations and, and problems. There, the deeper issue with this one is that it is owned by a former president of the United States. But it's nearly impossible to overestimate the dangers of one person who has an exceptional amount of political power owning and controlling a social media network. If you think about Elon Musk on Twitter and, and the dangers that presents, and then if you think about Donald Trump when he was on Twitter but didn't own it, and now you sort of have combined these, or you have the potential of combining these if truth ever became as as big as Twitter did, it it starts to paint a really worrying picture. And, and to that end, it's worth not just looking at what my feed looked like today, but going back a few days. So Trump suggested that the medium is guilty of treason. And he suggested that General Mark Milley, the United States' highest military officer, deserves execution and suggested that the FBI should raid the homes of Senate Democrats. Now, whatever your political orientation, this is not what we expect from politicians in the West and how they communicate with the public. And there's good reason for that, because there are people always who, who will take these things seriously, even if the politician themselves doesn't. At whether or not that's the case here, I, I really couldn't say. But, but it is very worrying. And, and more than that, you know, we're, we're here in the United Kingdom, and I can say with some certainty that if Americans think other countries aren't noticing, that is very much not the case. This is a topic of conversation in this country on a daily basis. And the position has largely become tied to this idea that the U.S. has no grounds to criticize the freedom of the press or free expression in countries like China or Russia. And that's really troubling because there are very good reasons to criticize freedom of expression and free press in, in a lot of different countries. But under the current circumstances, it's becoming a tougher and tougher sell. It's really difficult to sort of explain, I think, how abhorrent this is and how dangerous it is to the fabric of society. And whilst we did say, you know, tribal is pretty bad because it's an echo chamber, it's a completely different level of bad to this. And it would be, and you know, it would be if this was a democratic precedent. If Biden was actually, you know, creating his own sort of network and was saying these things, or Hillary, when she was defeated by Trump, 
had done this and started calling for the this sort of behavior, then it, it, I would be saying exactly the same things. This is absolutely unacceptable, and the network shouldn't be able to do it. And let's be honest, one of the reasons this network was created was because Twitter, after January the 6th, kicked former President Trump out because he was apparently guilty of, you know, allegedly supporting seditious conspiracy to subvert the transfer of power and harm members of Congress and his own vice president. So it's not like this is a, a pre-existing behavior. But now he's this, this is the man who said he had the best generals and now he wants people to go out and execute one. And there are crazy people out there who might try it. What if this had been somebody else? So what if former U.S. President Barack Obama had started his own social media network and instead of saying things like the FBI should rule Republicans, said things like, I really love my wife. Look at these beautiful flowers I picked. I love my daughters. And over time, people just got used to this idea that that this was a great place to interact and to find good information. And quietly, he was controlling what people see and how they engage with each other online. I think we would all agree that that would be really dangerous and we would never see it coming. So in a way, I guess we we could be thankful that in this case, it is so obviously problematic and so extreme that we can all say, whoa, this is, this is nobody wants this. Um, we just have to take that opportunity, I think, and say, ooh, I don't know that this is a good fit for any new Twitter. Um, because if it ever became anything like what Twitter is, it, it would be really worrying. So I think needless to say, our conclusion, True Social is thankfully not the new Twitter. Um, it is a place like Tribal where if you have a very set, if you have some very set political views and want to only discuss it with other people, you can you can find some content here that will you know scratch that itch, but it's not something we could recommend to anyone. Next time, we'll wrap up our exploration and discussion of Twitter alternatives, including looking at Jack Dorsey's Blue Sky and several other challenger networks, including one founded by some other former Twitter employees. In the meantime, we'll post a transcript of this episode with references on our website. You can find this and more information about us at thebrightapp.com. Until next time, I'm Stephen Jones. And I'm Taryn Ward. Thank you for joining us for Breaking the Feed, social media beyond the headlines. Beyond the headlines.